Hello and welcome to the TD Cinex Channel Discussions podcast. My name's Phil Clark and I'm an independent consultant working with TD Cinex on how the Microsoft channel works and discussing with various key parties around the channel to just understand how TD Cinex's customers can engage that, that channel organization and, and, and get the most out of it. Today, I'm very, very happy to be pleased by John, uh, to be joined by John Mitchell from Microsoft. Uh, John works in the SMB function. Hi, John. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks, Phil. All good. How are you? Yeah, I'm very good. Thank you, mate. So obviously, so I brought you on here today to talk about the SMB function. Before we start talking about that, you okay yep. to just give a little bit of background to you and where you sit in the Microsoft organization? Absolutely. No problem. So yeah, I've actually been in Microsoft five years um, I got my well done for five years email Sunday night last week. Uh, so <laughs> Is that what you get? You don't get like a watch or a gold clock or something? Well, you, you get to choose. You can you get um, a little bit of money if you want to go out for dinner and celebrate, or you can choose um, a crystal, you know, a nice little award that you can get your name etched on. And I asked my wife, which one should we go for? And she said, definitely, let's go out for dinner together. So I immediately <laughs> ordered the crystal. So when it's delivered, I'm going to move my children's uh, awards off the mantelpiece. And, you know, dad is back with an award for the first time in about 20 years, I think. <laughs> so five years in Microsoft. What were you doing before that? So um, before Microsoft, I um, I had a retail background. So I joined the retail graduate program at uh, the Dixons Group um, a long time ago. Um, and I spent around about 15 years um, at Dixon's um, moving through their various commercial teams. So I started actually in the airport team, which was fabulous because we could use our entrepreneurial um, spirit to sort of range products specifically um, for the airport business and sort of learn the sort of different traveling behaviors of business people and holiday makers. It was a really cool business to sort of cut your teeth commercially in. I then moved into the main chain and I was... Um, uh, I was the product manager for photography back when photography was a massive category before phones. Um, and then I ran the TV business, which was a huge flagship business. And then I ran the computing business. And that's when I met people like Apple and um, uh, Google and Microsoft as well. And I kind of learned how the Microsoft culture had changed over time. And it was really appealing and interesting sort of, um, you know, the mission that they had and actually was seeing them live that mission in, in the consumer team got me very interested. So I joined um, Microsoft, um, which was which is brilliant. I joined in their devices team. So I came in um, supporting our OEMs and the Windows 7 end of support and the, the move to Windows 10. Um, so that was great to sort of develop my B, B2B um, experience of the channel. Previously, my channel experience has been consumer um, and sort of cut my teeth there. And then I moved into our SMB business um, nearly three years ago, where I, I now am the SMB sales lead for modern work and security. So that's everything related to Microsoft 365 um, and um, Tech Data, one of our huge partners that uh, we frankly could not live without if we didn't have um, partners like TD um, in, in the UK channel. Brilliant. And I suppose, I mean, that, that's quite a nice background because it, you know, going through a retail and um, sort of reseller type model, you, you get to see a lot of exactly how this works and especially if you're b2c actually a lot of the sort of smaller transaction or the high volume transaction stuff is relevant to the smb business in microsoft i'm guessing i mean is that a fair 
100%. When you're working at a retailer, you're very much a scale and signal based business, right? You're not having a personal one to one relationship with all of those customers. You want to tailor your digital experience to give that feeling to those customers, but your responsibility is to create scale. So I learned that in my work at Dixon's and how we sort of collaborated with marketing and how, you know, having a commercially focused marketing team is pretty much the difference between you know retail excellence from a consumer point of view and and retail mediocrity uh, is was, was my view there there's lots of other parts of that jigsaw puzzle but that was really really important so when i came into our business um and i'm working on smb smb is a scale business right you do have to drive signals you do have huge opportunities to acquire new customers right and you've got to be um you know brilliant at marketing very simple messages to create that lead and then go convert that lead but yeah you're right Phil a lot of what I learned um, I'm able to sort of bring to this and what I loved about Microsoft is they were hiring diversely right diversity and inclusion is very important in lots of different facets right and my experience in a consumer commercial business um, created a different sort of thought process in terms of the people we have in the business and there's lots of different backgrounds that we're hiring from for and again that was the attraction um, the quickest way that you learn as an individual and as a person, uh, as, as a business, is talking to people from different backgrounds and understanding their perspective and what will drive them. And um, I'm really pleased and passionate to be able to share the Microsoft culture. And in the SMB world, right, we it, our partners are so important to us, right? And our mm-hmm. GPS organization, um, which is Global Partner um, Solutions Team, you know that that connect our global. Um, partner ecosystem it's hugely um, complex multidisciplinary area right but it's all about activating and supporting our, our partners we could not do our business in I guess you could call it the unmanaged segment we don't have specialists and account teams that are looking directly on these customers um, we have to do that through our partners right so that close close partnership is is critical that we um that we maintain that and grow that and then change it because things are changing rapidly in the market, you know, and they have done in the last couple of years. And so we need to make sure we provide the tools and support for those partners to be able to thrive in that market. And sometimes it feels hard when we're changing things, right? But we're changing them because we want to empower that channel to be ready for the, for the future. And, mm-hmm. and there are already so many partners that are thriving with that change attitude. Um, it's really exciting. Well, yeah, and, and you can't be a partner in, a, in technology and not be ready to change, but it's just the nature of the beast, isn't it? I mean, in terms of Microsoft's definitions of SMB, because I mean, depending on which vendor you talk to, they've all got slightly different views of the world. Yeah. Is there a sort of hard and fast rule or is it a bit grey based on some other metrics? What, what do you class as an SMB customer? Well, in, in terms of true SMB for us, then we class them as um, every business under 300 seats. Okay, and that's coming from the Microsoft 365 perspective, where the solution we are selling is still a seats based license solution. Right. So so it's a very um, simple um, way to think about our business. Right. And we have designed and developed products specifically for those customers that also matches that 300 seat and below criteria. So products like Microsoft 365 Business Premium, the maximum number of seats a customer um, can have um, and deploy that solution is 300 seats. So everything under 300 seats. Within that, obviously, you have a mid-market, you know, and you have those customers that are large and they are, um, you know, sort of 300 um, to, well, we, we kind of go down to about 300 and 
300 to 25 seats. That's where we start. You're starting to see that maturity, although obviously there is a difference between a 250 seat business and a maybe a 50 seat business, right? But they're getting more mature. They're thinking more about, um, you know, the, the the scope of their business and their requirements are starting to develop. They start to bring in-house IT um, experience as they get larger. But consistently across all of those businesses, um, we um, we know we need partners to go in there and help customers. And what's really fascinating is that across the last two years, the research that we have done has shown us that the expectations that customers have for their partners has changed hugely, right? So um, they don't just want a transactional relationship anymore, right? The complexity that you mentioned, Paul, and that constant change, Phil, sorry, um, that constant change that everyone is having is a customer needs to make sure that they're getting value from the product that, that, that they have, but they also need to make sure that it's delivering against the strategy that they have as a business and it's helping them get to more customers and serve those customers. So with the research shows, even SMB say, I need a partner that can unlock and be aligned to my strategic direction of the business and guide us in that process, right? A transactional relationship who gives me the cheapest. Of course, cost is important in the world that that we live in, right? But it is not the only factor. And it's about discovering that partnership requirement that a customer has and learning how to scale it um, is, is really a huge opportunity in SMB. We then have the true small businesses that we, you know, that and the very small businesses, there's kind of one to nine and nine to 24 seat businesses. And that is 100% a scale um, business, right? And we drive digital signals, the marketing that we do, you know, we, we, we want to go and help those, um, those customers understand um, a simple way to go in a very complex market, right? A lot of those customers do start their journey directly with Microsoft, not exclusively, but a lot of them do start their journey with Microsoft.com and they purchase there. But we see it in the numbers, you know, as they start to grow and thrive, they move across to partner. And for me, the sooner that happens, the better, right? Because if you've got a relationship with a partner that, again, you can talk about what you're finding challenging, where you want to improve as a business, they can help you on that process. So that is a real big change that we're seeing, that sort of strategic partnership that customers want from partners. And frankly speaking, if their partner is not offering that guidance and support and the managed services that they need, they will change. They will change the partner that they work with. So it's a great opportunity, but it's also a threat if you're not in that mindset to change. And that, and that sort of advice and guidance on how to how to change, is that, so do you, do you find that the partners who've got a specific industry bias or a particular knowledge field, they do best? Or do you think, you know, generalists are still okay? I mean, what, what's your what's your view on that? I know Difficult question. It's a difficult question. It's such a huge market, right? A generalist can thrive in a specialist world, right? Because they're Mm -hmm. simplifying. And for a lot of customers out there, the the concerns they have around um, the complexity um, of IT, right? If you're not able to articulate it in plain English, right, they're not going to understand, right? So, so. I'm living proof of a generalist working in a specialist world, right? I do not have a, a high technology background, right? But I've got business experience and I've got an understanding on trying to connect simple stories and solutions to drive outcomes, right? So I think those partners that create a highly repeatable practice and build a practice on solving 
um, challenges that customers have, and we can talk about what those challenges are at the minute in terms of the big ones, they do well. The partners that specialize on industries and get a good understanding of, you know, the, 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 the challenges within that industry and sort of targeting and looking to scale within that space, that can work tremendously well as well, because that point around a customer wanting to under, to have a partner that understands their challenge and can become a strategic partner, being an, uh, um, well-versed in those industries and expert in that industry is going to help you to sort of articulate to them and understand the regulatory requirements that they have and those types of things. So you, both of those types of businesses can thrive, but both of them have got to elevate way above just a transactional relationship and have got to get into a strategic relationship. But a strategic relationship with a small business is not as scary as, as it possibly may sound. Well, I mean, it's really interesting because, you know, I'm a, I'm a small business, yeah, I'm a small consultancy, and, and we actually were paying for our Microsoft stuff on a credit card a few years ago. We moved it to a partner just to get exactly what you just described, you know, a bit of knowledge about how to configure things, how to do your know, best practice, um, and it works. And I, and I think you're right, the, the opportunity for partners to add value over and above a transactional relationship is definitely there. I suppose, you know, picking up on the point you made about partners needing to understand what SME customers are worried about, I mean, what, have you? are they sort of like, two or three key themes that you're seeing in the industry that, that customers are asking about? I mean, probably Absolutely. I can probably guess them, but I'd like to hear them from you. Yeah, you know, what? It, it, I think because these things have impacted all of us in some shape or form, it won't be a surprise, right? I don't, I don't think, to anybody. So number one has been hybrid work, okay? And of course, two and a half or however long ago it was, you know, that started with remote work. Businesses had to pivot overnight to a um, a remote work solution they had to connect with their partners with their customers with their suppliers you know virtually and they had to go and do that business and so we we saw a huge transformation in things like teams and you know daily active users going from 20 million to i think it's 270 million daily active users now people that embrace technology um you know really found a new route to market that created a huge change right um you know, the great resignation, resignation, as it was called, right, people realizing there was a new way for them to follow their pursuits. You know, there were lots of other fields out there in the world that actually had an idea to start a small business. And that big change created that moment when they, when they took that. And that was that was incredible. Right. Um, so we then moved into the space of hybrid work and people's expectations have changed. I'm not coming back into the office all the time. I want to reconnect with the people, but there's got to be purpose for me to go to that place. I'm not coming into the office to do the emails that I could do at home. So flexibility has become a real key theme for businesses and for um, and for individuals, right? So we know from research that um, workers want flexible working to stay. doesn't matter if you work in an SMB, a mid-sized business or a corporate or enterprise business, flexibility is key. And if a business doesn't offer that to someone, you are going to lose that talent because those expectations have changed. Um, those people that went just to remote working, um, I think we, 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 we've got a, um, a work trends index report that we've done and the 2022 report said that 57% of remote workers are looking to shift to hybrid, right? Um, which is really interesting, right? So again, it's fluid. You've got 51% of hybrid workers considering removing to a remote. So this is challenging for businesses. Who wants to be remote? Who wants to be hybrid? How do I create the flexibility? How do I keep the productivity consistent no matter where people are? How do I make sure that somebody's 
value and voice is heard wherever they're dialing into the moments of collaboration. So this whole sort of um, future of work is the world's biggest ever experiment, um, I think, that we've ever had in the business place. Really fascinating. Um, it is a big topic for businesses to talk about. And what's fantastic is, you know, our modern workplace lead, Nick Hederman in the UK, he'll go and have a conversation with Barclays about, you know, how they're thinking about um, hybrid work and how they're going to go do that. And a lot of those things will be the same things that a small business with 20 employees will be thinking about. And how do I drive that? So the big first topic is, 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 is hybrid work. The next topic that kind of flows into that, of course, is security. As you have got people, um, acting, uh, um, driving that flexibility, being productive from multiple different places on multiple different devices. All of those challenges create a big opportunity for the um, cyber criminals out there. And unfortunately, you know, SMBs do get heavily targeted by um, cyber criminals because of they do not have the in-house resources to deal with that sophisticated um environment um, and, and threat that they're dealing with as a, say, a, a large enterprise has. And there was a statistic that um, was one of, um, I think, some Microsoft, I don't know if it was Microsoft research or from the US government, but basically there had been a 300% increase in ransomware attacks in the previous year. So I think it was 2021 the research came from, and 50% of that was targeted at small businesses. Now, I think, Phil, if I spoke to small business customers two years ago, they would have said to me, well, I don't really need to worry about security because they're not going to target me. I'm not big enough. Mm. But unfortunately, we live in a scale world in the same way we scale through partners to go and reach all the opportunities that we have. Those cyber criminals can create digital scale and they can attack at scale um, customers that are out there there and SMBs. So I think that mindset in SMBs has absolutely changed. I'm not, um, I'm not, uh, uh, you know, um, not a, a target for these audience. I'm actually a prime target for these. So how am I going to protect myself against them? And Microsoft's got a really good um, understanding of that um, security market, right? We've dramatically changed our approach to security in the last 10 years. Um, when I was in that retail business, I was selling um, you know, um, previous versions of Windows, you attached your security to that, right? It was not built into the platform. It is now built in. Microsoft has invested $5 billion in the last five years in our security and compliance solutions that are built into the Microsoft cloud. We're going to invest another $25 billion in the next five years to stay ahead of the, uh, of the, of the criminals that are out there, be that, you know, known threat groups, be that national state groups. I think we're tracking 40 national state groups, um, you know, to stay on top of that. We are seeing 43 trillion signals daily from the various um, solutions that we have in have in market, right? That would be Azure, that will be Bing, that will be Xbox, that will be Office 365. All of those global platforms that we have create these signals that allow us to keep really close to the edge and see what is happening out there. And then, you know, we have got, um, you know, thousands of security professionals working on security for us. And we bring that to our partner ecosystem and to our customers through the solutions that we have, like Microsoft 365 for Business Premium, for example. It's interesting because I had a chat with uh, one of the now TD Synex guys a few weeks ago about Microsoft security. Because as you quite rightly say, probably 10 years ago, it wasn't really seen as a serious security hmm. brand. But but now, you know, significant improvements in everything. And, and it's baked in. It's almost taken for granted now. It, 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 you know, there are there are probably some specialist areas that you still need to buy specialist product for. But fundamentally, that you know, the eighty percent rule works very well from a security perspective in terms of what Microsoft can offer. 
Um, and to an SMB, that's probably all they need, isn't it? Yeah. Well, look for 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 our business, for all businesses that are out there, right? They need to be able to protect themselves, but they don't want it to be complex to manage, right? They need to go and focus on their own business. So that's why we've put so much effort into the the security and compliance platform that we have. We are now the world's largest security business in the world. We've got, um, was it 800,000 almost customers that are securing their multi-cloud infrastructure with Microsoft rights, that's, they're not just protecting Azure, they're protecting AWS, they're protecting um, GCP. Um, you know, we've got over 15,000 partners in our security ecosystem globally, right? So we are becoming, I think, you know, maybe there was a perception and some people may still have it, right? There's a choice to be made here. Do you want best of breed and that specialization so that you, for those individual challenges that you've got, do you want to fix for those? Or do you want a platform where it's integrated and all of those things? And there was the perception that if you went the platform Microsoft approach, there's compromises that you've made, that you need to make. And we're pretty confident now, Phil, that that is not a compromise you need to need to make anymore. We are a leader in security, compliance, identity and management across multiple areas areas um, and recognized by Gartner and Forrester and IDC as a leader in in those in those categories right so we've got a really good story and for our customers it saves them money you know we believe we can save customers up to 60 percent on their licensing costs when you compare our platform approach to that sort of individual um, fixing for uh, specialized pieces We've then what we've done from an SMB point of view, because that's kind of an enterprise sort of statement there, Phil, in terms of that licensing saving. But we have brought a lot of that enterprise technology into SMB. So our business premium um, option within Microsoft 365, that is bringing through, you know, a lot of the technology from that Defender platform for enterprises and bringing it into the right um, place so that an SMB can have a, a, a security posture that's going to protect them right and of course but security is ever changing you've got to be vigilant you've got to be managing that you've got to be policy driven you've always got to assume breach all of the things that we talk about with zero trust and a partner's opportunity to be that strategic security partner for a um, for a customer is huge right because they want to focus on delivering for their customers they don't want to worry about the security posture and our research shows us that they're willing to pay for that and again back to back to my point um let me find let me find the research number for you but if if you don't offer those um those managed services for security um we've got a stat for some global research that said 90 percent of smbs will consider hiring a new msp right if they offered the right cybersecurity solution. So that definitely for um, for tech data's resellers should be something that they're looking at. And the good thing is, Phil, the, the partners that I've spoken to, they are thinking about it, um, which is, is it, really it's, encouraging. It's interesting. I, I read the same research. I think it went on to say that partners who've got the right security posture have got that would that the customers would pay something like a 40% premium to get the right security wrapped around their infrastructure. So, I mean, as you say, security's got to be an enormous opportunity for every partner. Here's a, here's a scary thing, Phil, which is, which is actually an opportunity at the same time, right? So Microsoft 365 comes with multi-factor authentication. The higher up you go through the stack, you get some great features like um, conditional access and, and things like that, right? But fundamentally, every single person should switch on multi-factor authentication and um, because it has the ability to stop up to 99.9% of identity th- threats. I was at a partner security event recently and their um, head of security said that 26% 
only 26% of Microsoft 365 tenants have MFA enabled, right? So you've got the technology there to, you know, to harden and create a modern security posture. And MFA is the thing to do. But, you know, a quarter of customers have got it switched on. Is that a conversation you've had with those customers? Do they embrace multi-factor authentication? Do they understand, you know, the fundamentals that it can bring? Because that conversation could open up loads of other things. How are you protecting your data? Um, you know, how are you making sure that it's secure, um, you know, when it's in transit, when it's moving across devices, when it's in storage, all of those types of things, right? So that MFA stat for me was a real sort of fall off the chair when I heard mm. it. Um, but it can, for uh, for our partners, create the opportunity to have a really good conversation and help them sort of establish the baselines that they need. In, in terms of the products in the SMB portfolio that, that you sort of see most prominently, I mean, I'm guessing Microsoft 360, you, you're the modern work guy, yeah? So the scope is not necessarily included this year, but, you know, the, Microsoft 365 is a given. But, you know, are there any products that you think people could get benefit from that they haven't yet embraced. I'm, I'm thinking off the top of my head, you know, yeah. a broader use of VOIP through Teams, that sort of stuff. But, you know, what are the sort of missed opportunities in your views, things that partners should really be pushing because the customer probably hasn't got their head around it? Yeah, well, look, I think, um, I think if, well, if I'm thinking about hybrid work, Teams is there. But how are customers thinking about Teams? Are they thinking about Teams as a, a, a meeting and chat tool that they have or are they thinking of a hub of productivity are they collaborating as teams in there i was really impressed phil we had um one of our partner um events uh, microsoft inspire in july which is a great global event um that we have when we kind of share the sort of opportunities and the developments um that we have and when we were talking around um, hybrid and that sort of ensuring people can collaborate brilliantly from wherever they are. We launched a feature for Teams called um, Excel Live. And so this was fabulous. I don't know if you've ever been on a Teams call or on a call and somebody shares a spreadsheet and you can see the spreadsheet and you really want to get in there and sort of help them sort of do something or, you know, add, you know, change a formula or just basically if you're building up a model as a team and you're all sort of saying, oh, you need to move to A4 and you need to do a what if analysis, all that type of frustration. Well, then with it, with um, Excel Live, you as the person presenting, you just present the, your Excel. You don't have to be in Excel at the time, right? But you present the to- document. Your team's window becomes the canvas that everybody will join. And everybody on that call, even if they're not in Excel, will collaborate <laughs> in real time on that document, right? It is absolutely superb for collaboration and productivity so there's a big opportunity around teams don't just go oh great they've got it and they've got meetings i've got a great opportunity to to create you know um teams rooms conference rooms right that is a big opportunity the the office has to change it's got to be more inclusive but how are they thinking about teams are they thinking about those features on collaboration do they need help to to kind of build that up and then when you build up teams even further phil you've got this as we call it, a converged communications opportunity. You know, the analog switch off, BT are going to do that in 2025. BT, Vodafone, O2, they are going to put massive, massive investment in communicating that out. Everybody will need to move off of analog and into digital and cloud-based telephony will be a massive market opportunity. And customers are already telling us, what can I do with Teams? 
Um, I have a small sales team um, that I work with in our demand response team for SMB. And they were telling me recently 60% of their call volume is around um, Teams phone and that cloud telephony piece. And well, I'm using Teams for my chat and my collaboration and my meetings, can I use it for my phone? Because, you know, I can use it on multiple devices because they're used to Teams on their mobile, on their desktop, on their laptop. So there is a, it's the, for me, hybrid is that next level of integration of creating a digital fabric that won't change, but it allows the, 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 the users to be as productive wherever they are and for teams to be able to work asynchronously, synchronously, um, however they suit, right? So that's a big piece um, for, for sure. So think about Teams phone. What are you doing with Teams phone? What are you doing with Teams rooms? But also, what are you doing with Teams? Have you gone to that next level? Because there's services to deliver there. What do you think about that? I, I, I think if someone touched my spreadsheet while I was presenting, I'd start crying, John. <laughs> that, 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 that you've just presented my worst nightmare in, in terms of collaboration. Get your hands off my V lookup. It's bad enough as it is. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, I mean, you're right. Obviously, I guess that fundamentally partners <laughs> need to make the most out of the tools. And I suppose working with the likes of, of TD Cinex and, and, and yourselves, you know, you can get an understanding of exactly what those features functions that, you know, the extra bits that they should know about could be through some sort of training and, and you know, sort of things that, that tech data as was, you know, do incredibly well. I mean, from your perspective, there's a lot of partners in your world, yeah? Um, you've mentioned a few ideas, but, you know, in, in sort of summary, what can partners or what should partners be doing to sort of stand out in what is quite a, you know, a, a busy market, a noisy market? Yeah, well, look, look, we, we're passionate about our partners being able to pitch our solutions in a in a challenger sales way that we are addressing the concerns that customers have. Right. And they've got lots of concerns around um, how to to work um, in a hybrid way, in a modern way. They've got lots of concerns around security. They've got lots of concerns um, around cost. Right. So being able to answer those with that single platform, do more with less is what we call it, creates a really good basic um, area of trust for you to develop with those customers, right? But then it's about, are you building on the Microsoft cloud and the platform that we've got? Because there are opportunities to create uniqueness. Now, I'm, I won't mention the partner, but I've been working um, with one of um, Tech Data's partners that is a brilliant partner in the um, public sector and working very closely um, with... Um, uh, councils and they have been talking to their customers they've been selling them microsoft 365 they've been selling them security they're doing a great job in terms of modernizing meeting rooms um but they've also done a good job listening to that customer what are the other things that are an issue for you you know and it was you know within these um businesses uh, within, within these councils they have they still have a lot of paper-based processes that are inefficient that take very long that that can be modernized and this particular partner took that challenge working with one of the customers that had a really proactive non-technical um, um, clerk that was already herself starting to develop um, power apps solutions on our power platform which is our low code no code platform right to try and answer that question or that challenge of I need to replace these paper-based processes that I have and in that partnership with the customer they've created a a, a, um, a variety of power app solutions that they are now scaling, you know, to that entire industry um, to say, look, if you need to do this type of work, 
then you know within um, the, the the Microsoft marketplace, our apps are available. They sell those apps and they package them with Microsoft 365, and they've created uniqueness. You know, in terms of what they are doing, industry specific. Back to one of our conversations earlier, right? Um, and you know that's that's fantastic, right? So I think there are great opportunities to go and build on our platform, um, and it doesn't have to be very complicated, you know, um, you know, an, an ISV sort of developing on mm. on Azure. That's great. There are big opportunities, right? If you've got the resources to do that, but things like Power Apps, Power Platform, they create some really cool. Um, solutions that you can sell to customers as that value add and create that uniqueness and stand up from the crowd, Phil. Yeah, okay, that's interesting because I said the power app stuff, I don't think many people would do it in my experience. You know, people don't lead with that. Um, but I think you're right. I mean, certainly things like even basically things like Power BI adds a lot of value to some, you know, just layering graphical mm-hmm. representation over data and it's so accessible yeah. as an SMB. You can, you can get it for free, but most people don't know how to use it. So, look, John, John, a lot of the times people. A lot of the times people are also willing to pay, right? Because it's the inefficiency that they have is costing them a lot of money. So you're creating a big saving if you provide a solution because you've heard a challenge. They'll be willing to pay, right? Because they've offset a huge, a huge cost. To your point as well, you can also use them as um, as ways to sort of um, offer free services to customers to go and drive and acquire, um, you know, new new business. Brilliant. Yeah, no, like I say, it's a massive opportunity, and obviously SMB being the biggest sector of of into the volume of companies in the UK, I think you know that people have got a lot of uh, market to play with. Look, John, I'm aware of time. It's been really interesting talking to you. I mean, from my perspective, I can imagine the best way for partners to engage with Microsoft in this space is to go via TD Cynix and via their Microsoft BU team. Is is that the case? And obviously, you work very closely with them. Yeah? Yeah, I do. I do. And they do have a a fantastic team. They have some great enablement programs. You know, they have great knowledge around marketing and that sort of marketing as a service. So really, resellers should be thinking about tech data as being that extension um, of the business. And they have a fantastically close relationship with Microsoft globally. Um, And, you know, and they're able to bring that to the edge um, for their for their customers. So absolutely, um, they should they should engage um, with the the team that they have here, and I have a real confidence, right, um, that they would be able to um, build build the business um, and the opportunities that we've kind of mentioned. There's thousands of others as well. Yeah, brilliant. Well, look, John, it's been absolutely lovely talking to you this afternoon, young man. Um, I will uh, clearly encourage all of the partners that I work with to, to engage via TD Cynix and reach out to you if they're focusing on the SMB customer set. For the partners listening to this podcast, um, the way you engage with with uh, Tech Data or TD Cynix. Is, is probably best via an email address, which is csp at techdata.co.uk because of the branding. I'm not sure if it's changed yet, so I'll stick to the old one. Um, but fundamentally, that's the best route in, and you'll get to the Microsoft Business Unit who will advise you on the best way to engage with Microsoft and, and all the resources that, that John's been talking about. And obviously, TD Cinex have got an amazing channel academy, uh, which gives you loads of training around um, all the products and services that John's mentioned. Uh, and all the other things and benefits that you can get from Microsoft. But in that context, I mean, John, it's like I say, it's been lovely talking to you. I hope you have a lovely weekend. Um, I shall no doubt chat to you soon. And anyone else listening to this podcast, if you'd like to subscribe, we're doing these every couple of weeks on different uh, different topics. So if you've got any feedback or anything you want to hear from Microsoft or, or TD Cinex or, or other partners, uh, please do get in touch on that csp at techdata.co.uk email address and, and, and we'll address it appropriately. But in that context, John, lovely to see you, mate. I shall chat to you soon. My pleasure. Thanks a lot, Phil. Cheers. Cheers.